I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. One programming note for listeners, this week the podcast will be playing some of our favorite rerun episodes. We'll be back with new episodes on Tuesday, November 16th. Today's episode is a rerun of our June conversation with Dr. Farzad Mostashari, CEO and co-founder of Alidate. He discussed how quality reporting for physicians has become time-intensive and no longer commensurate with incentives. He tells us the whole system is in need of radical surgery. As the country moves away from a fee-for-service payment system to a value-based payment system, the idea is that we're paying for better quality care. The quality movement can be traced back to the 1990s and really picked up after the Affordable Care Act, when doctors and hospitals started being accountable for the cost of care. But have we gotten so obsessed with tracking different measures, and is it really improving the quality of patient care? A recent study published in JAMA in May found that practices on average spent $12,000 per physician to participate in the Medicare Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Other studies have suggested costs for quality reporting for multiple payers are as high as $40,000 per physician per year. Dr. Farzad Mostashari, CEO of Alidaid, which works with practices and other healthcare institutions to launch accountable care organizations, says the whole quality reporting system needs radical surgery. He joined me to talk about how it should be done. Here is some of our conversation. I'm suggesting that we have five measures for primary care. Five. And we'd have uh, scores of contracts, primary care, value-based contracts at Allidade. And I think they range from as few as five to as many as like 38. <laughs> and it, it's just ridiculous that we, we don't, we, we lost the signal for the noise and we have no more sense of we measure things to tell people what's important. And I think the evidence now over the past 15 years is in that it doesn't work, that our current um, measures and the measurement industry that we have has lost credibility with the frontline clinicians, that it really is meaningful, that it relates to something that they believe measures their performance. Uh, And the amount of work involved is just far outweighs any, any signal that they might get from changing their behavior. We're not focusing people on what matters the most. And that, in my view, should be things like blood pressure control. Blood pressure control can save 10 times as many lives as any 
you know, and all of these other cancer screening measures or uh, other, you know, immunizations or whatever. And we're not putting, are we putting 10 times as much attention into blood pressure control as we are in to, you know, mammograms or colon cancer uh, or flu shots? No, we're not. Why? Because it's too many measures and they're all kind of equally weighted. Okay. So you mentioned one of five measures that you think are important. What are the other four? I think for mortality, blood pressure control, for morbidity, A1C, for um, cost, uh, risk-adjusted ER visits and inpatient visits, and for patient experience, a, a net promoter question for patients. Do you think those metrics really indicate quality of care and patient outcomes? I think they do, particularly in the context. And this may be a, a, a policy proposal that we bifurcate quality reporting. And in a way that is the macro framework where we say, if you're not in a total cost of care, value-based contract, total cost of care, right? Then, okay, maybe we need to do mother may I on you to say like, did you do all the things? But if I'm taking already accountability for total cost of care, if I'm in a risk-based downside, upside, downside contract on, on global global risk contract, then you don't need to measure whether I'm doing pneumonia shots. Like I'm going to do pneumonia shots because I, I want to have fewer hospitalizations for community-acquired pneumonia. I think in the, particularly in the context of people taking on total cost of care, then I think those five measures absolutely suffice for, uh, for primary care. When Medicare started rolling out accountable care organizations, there were concerns that doctors and hospitals would be incentivized to stint on care. To make sure patients were getting the care that they needed, Medicare started requiring quality metrics. Over time, Medicare and other payers kept adding metrics. And now some, as you said, Farzad, are requiring more than two dozen. So how did we get to this point of requiring so many? If, if you want to prove that you're really serious about quality, <laughs> then you, you prove it by shoving more measures into the, into the sack. What do you hear from Allidate providers about quality reporting? I mean, mostly they're just grateful that we're taking care of so much of this for them. So we establish interfaces to their EHRs and we take care of a lot of the reporting of the clinical quality measures like blood pressure and A1C and so forth. And we create more simple tech-enabled workflows for them to close those gaps where we can't close it for them automatically. So we're doing a lot of the, uh, the work, and it's still a huge distraction from, like, I would rather, and I think CMS, and I, I would hope payers would also rather those practices focused on, for example, connecting with their patients after an emergency room visit instead of, you know, chasing down documentation. So what are we getting for all of this work, all of the metrics that we're tracking? I think at the end of the day, we also have to say, what's the juice we're getting for the squeeze, right? And, you know, the, the, the MIPS, right, was, was, I think, a great example of that. I think 2020 bonuses, um, 98% are going to receive a, a positive payment adjustment, right? Because no one really believes that these things truly measure bad quality. So they're, they're only 2% of eligible clinicians are going to be hit with negative payment adjustments, 2%, right? And the money to pay the people who do uh, positive adjustments comes from the people who got the negative adjustments. And so what the end result is, you're going to get, if you have perfect quality scores in MIPS, you're going to get a 1.68%.
positive adjustment. So what are we doing all this work for? Are all these metrics improving patient care? I mean, at the end of the day, that's what really matters. I think that it, extraordinary organizations and clinicians, and I hope ours are included in that, can find meaning. You know, just as one might find meaning in suffering. Suffering doesn't give you meaning automatically, but you can find meaning in it. <laughs> and extraordinary organizations can take the motivation of these quality measurement regimes and find meaning in them and imbue them with do it the right way, right? But I think on average, I don't think these pay for performance programs are actually improving patient experience, cost of care. It seems like Medicare is taking concerns from physicians about the time and money spent on quality reporting into account. At least in the Medicare direct contracting model, the agency's requiring fewer measures than in the shared savings program. So do you think they're moving in the right direction? CMS has actually done a very nice job of, over time, reducing the number of quality measures, for example, in the Medicare shared savings program. Um, I, I think it's really the commercial payers that that need to, they're just they actually tend to be slower um, to, to change. Um, and I think we need to have that serious conversation. Any models, in your opinion, that are doing an efficient job of quality reporting that are actually making a difference in patient care? What I think has been a relatively successful quality measurement program in Medicare Advantage. And I think the, the movement towards higher star ratings I actually think it has improved patient care. And it's worth thinking about what is it about those measures and, and the, the measurement regime there that made it more successful than average. I still think it, the number of measures could be reduced, but uh, one thing is they triple weighted some measures. So things like medication adherence for blood pressure or statins uh, that uh, do have a disproportionate impact. And you do see disproportionate attention, therefore, to, to those things. And the second factor is quality measurement and quality um, performance wasn't a gate and it wasn't a pat on the head. It was five up to 5% of premium and the ability to market year round. The scale of the rewards is just massively different in in the MA world where they increase the premium and they allow for year-round marketing and growth. And so therefore the, the amount of attention to it is, is really commensurate with the effort uh, involved, is, is commensurate with the, the rewards. And I do think they do a better job of paying attention to what matters, including patient experience measures. I still think it's too many measures, but it is potential exception to, to the rule. When we talk about the administrative burden, a big complaint from physicians and providers is that the way you report for Medicare is different from Blue Cross, which is different from Medicaid plans. So do you think the new interoperability rules that require standardization across EHRs could make this easier? I do. Uh, and one of, the, one of the examples that's often given is around cut points. What is the cut point for blood pressure control? Um, what's the cut point for A1C? And if you can actually, instead of having stupid <laughs> CPT2 codes uh, that are, you know, higher than nine, less than seven, whatever, if we could shift to a model where you actually have the clinical data, then it doesn't matter if 
one pair wants you to measure poor control, the other one wants you to measure good control, you have the clinical data to be able to cut it and report it however you choose. The other, the other thing that I know is a huge priority for um, the Biden administration, Liz Fowler and others is health equity. And I think the other thing we can do and need to do is begin to make routine aggregate reporting of these quality measures um, cut by things like race ethnicity. I like your idea of simplifying and reducing the number of quality measures. But of course, medicine is incredibly nuanced, and you'll hear physicians say, yes, that's a good idea, but what about this unique circumstance? Or what about taking into account this other patient with this pre-existing condition? And so there are tons of caveats and exceptions. And I'm just wondering, how would you respond to those concerns? One of the hardest things um, in trying to move in the direction of what Carolyn Clancy used to call the F9 key, right? That you just, you're in your EHR, you hit F9 and the quality measures just unroll. Uh, one of the biggest challenges to that vision has been the need to have structured data for all of the exceptions and exemptions. Things that would knock you out of the denominator or put you in the numerator. Uh, and that is um, well-intentioned. I think a lot of the medical societies wanted to say, hey, you know, <laughs> don't ding me, bro. Uh, and, and they were like, no, but if the patient has this, and if they're in the they're terminal patient, if they're in hospice, and if they refuse three times while standing on their left foot, then don't ding me. And I, I think far better to just say, let's use the simple um, numerator denominator, the, the denominator that is as all-encompassing as possible, and just deal with that by saying, okay, 10% of the time like there's a legitimate reason. And so we'll just reduce the threshold. If it was going to be 80%, now it's 70%. Um, and like, will sometimes some people get unfairly treated, but maybe, but I think in the battle between fairness and simplicity, we've gone way too much in this unrealistic expectation of perfection, of, of fairness, and has, it has caused just a massive increase in complexity. That was Dr. Farzad Mostashari, CEO and co-founder of Alidate. Thanks for listening to GIST Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olkin. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on gisthealthcare.com. GIST Healthcare Daily is an independent production of GIST Healthcare. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.